Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Victoria Rader. Victoria, PhD possibility coach, transformational speaker, and founder of You Two Shine Empowers Coaches, entrepreneurs, and people that seek personal development to grow in all areas of their life. Through the proven formula of success, so that they have more peace, purpose, and prosperity. Victoria is a four times best-selling author, is globally recognized along with Brene Brown, Richard Branson, and others for creative and innovative ideas, adaptability in business, and contribution to sustainability and mental health projects with the CREA Global Award by Brains Magazine. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Victoria. Thanks, thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Thank you for having me, Dwight. Of course, we had way too much fun already. So, you know, we're just keeping up the vibe here. <laughs> Absolutely. As I was telling you before we started recording, um, I'm excited to learn more from you. Um, I did quite a bit of research preparing for the show and you've done some amazing things and accomplished so much. But the thing that excites me the most about you is throughout your journey, just from what the little I know, you've helped tens of thousands of people. And that's exciting. And that is a mission that everybody can wrap their minds around, or hopefully they can, that life is about service of others. And if we serve others, God takes care of us. That's what I truly believe is service. It comes back to us. The more we, you know, if you don't have a giving mentality or a giving heart, it's hard to get back, right? So I appreciate that about you already. And I imagine I'll appreciate you more after we uh, get through this conversation. So Victoria, one of the things I focused on, as I mentioned to you, is a person's origin story. And for the new listeners, the reason I focus on the origin story is in life, we hope that we can portray who we are in a, a real vulnerable situation where people learn to know, like, and trust us, where they communicate with us, whether it's, you know, verbally or in print or whatever the case may be. And they can't wait to see or hear or read what we have to say again. And I think that starts that connection from our origin, from our earliest recollections as little kids all the way up to where we are today. So I'd really appreciate it if you could share your earliest recollections from childhood to adulthood to lead you to where you are at currently. I love how you frame from the earliest recollection, you know, working with a lot of people's, the way how their mind works, I, I do that often. And, but, um, and I will get to the story very, very shortly, but you know, something you've said that 
impacted my spirit so deeply and I always say I listen to the one still small voice and I always convey what it tells me to do and when you said you know you've impacted tens of thousands of people what I want to convey I'm aware of the people I have impacted but what's very important for every person that listens so have you like if you clean high schools if you clean the floor at high school you have impacted over your time tens of thousands of lives you probably saved a few. It's all yeah. about the intention of your service, right? When you're cleaning that bathroom and you understand that maybe you're saving someone's life and that became painfully and gloriously apparent to all of us during COVID, it doesn't matter what you do. You only limit your impact by self-importance of impact. So get out of your way and understand you as you are right now doing whatever you're doing have already impacted tens of thousands of people and going forward you're just aware of that and how will that awareness shift your intention i mean this just this was a burning message that had to be born well i appreciate that and now and now me you know in the beginning god said there was light and i was born that's, that's the beginning <laughs> of my story uh, <laughs> you know that's and then, that's good and then i forgot a little bit about light for the first 30 years of my life yeah. that's kind of the rest of the story but i was born in the former soviet union um in ukraine as it was a part of the soviet union at that time and the earliest uh, i think recollection that i have actually there's a very sad one interestingly and i haven't talked about it because nobody asked the question that way and a very happy one um my first memories of my uncle my uncle actually died when i was only two and a half and I remember seeing him after his motorcycle accident, from which he did not die, by the way. It was not a cause of his death. But that was my first imprint of seeing somebody. Like, when I go back, I'm in the village, my grandma's house. We went there every summer. Um, and then my mom and dad worked in the city four hours away. And I would spend a couple months in the summer when I went to school there with my grandma and grandpa. And I was a very little child and just seeing that was the first recollection I think of my aware memory. So thank you for that question. And I think um, looking back deeper, um, losing him and then losing grandpa at five and then experiencing and just a huge amount of death and dying in my life, you know, in 2013, of course, keeping quiet forward, I was already in US, I lose 11 people and you know, every month there is a certain death. And just looking at that first memory, I think death has been framing the meaning of life for me throughout my whole life. You know, in one of the books I wrote a little bit about that, but I did not have the luxurious gift to kind of go to that first memory. So thank you for that. You're welcome. Um, and then the happy one, you know, we didn't we didn't have much. We were abundant in things other than material. I say in my childhood, and um, but every Christmas there would be mandarins under the tree, and so the first memory is the smell of the mandarins under the tree, and if I could smell the mandarins, I knew the Santa has come, and there was like a hope of something else. <laughs> but the mandarins were a sure sign. <laughs> of Santa and you know to, it's fascinating because they've done all kinds of studies saying that citrus is one of the most powerful memories and, you know we'll be hopefully talking about some mind shifts uh, mind shifts 
And one thing I used to do, and I haven't done in years, probably in decade, is when I would do the mindset shift for a client from very negative and devastating to an uplifting and hopeful, I would break down an, uh, um, an orange or a mandarin because the citrus smell seals the experience. It's an amazing, amazing thing. And so once again, have not thought about it for over a decade. Um, so here's to mandarins and to, and, you know, to hope for a miracle. I mean, I guess that's what it associates with it. <laughs> so that's kind that. of where, where I, those are the first two recollections. And that's where the story of me, minus God said there was light began. <laughs> So, you know, that's amazing. So when did you, so obviously you were born, like you said, in the Soviet Union. Um, when did you come to the U.S. and why? Like, what yeah. was the path and journey of that? There are two points at which I could say I've come to the U.S. One was temporary, one was permanent. And so for the temporary uh, trip that introduced me to the country. Um, there are two leading stories, and I think they're both uh, equally beautiful. You know, in 1986, when the Chernobyl disaster happened, which is for those that don't know it, Chernobyl was a city in Ukraine where the nuclear reactor had a leaking and there was a, a nuclear poisoning <clears throat> and radioactive poisoning in Ukraine that then got blown over a little bit of Belarus. And so my dad at a time was an editor-in-chief uh, for one of the major regional newspapers. He also covered sport, but, you know, his main job was that. And he was asked by the party, by the Communist Party, to fly to um, Chernobyl three days after, drive to Chernobyl three days after, and report back that all was well. And so my dad went to Chernobyl, and then he came home, and he was throwing up for a week. And it was clear all was not well. And he refused to write that very important propaganda article of how all is well. And we've experienced a lot of hardship, you know, as a result um, of that choice. But very shortly as the Iron Curtain fell, and in 1992 especially when the Soviet Union fell apart, Ukraine became independent, People like him were noticed, people that took a stand in their integrity, and he got an opportunity to be one of the first post-Soviet journalists to be invited to come to the United States for a month for the exchange to learn how free press um, was operating. And uh, when he came home, he became one of the first, actually the first independent owner of the newspaper in our region because now it was allowed, you know, the, the, the government no longer owned everything. And it was a fascinating journey to watch my dad. And so I had this love and, pa love and passion for the concept of freedom that he brought with him in the air, like the shift was palpable. He said, you know, he went to the uh, Arlington Cemetery and I have chills as I say that, especially now that there's so many people dying in the Ukrainian-Russian war, right? He went to the Arlington Cemetery. And he said, you know, no, I'll get emotional. He said, you know, I know the difference between what's going on here in the Soviet Union and the freedom. And I said, what's that, Dad? And he said, you know, when I was at the cemetery, when you go to all of the tombs of the unknown soldier after World War II in the Soviet Union, it says, this is the tomb, the unknown soldier. And he said, when you go to the Arlington Cemetery, to the tomb of the unknown soldier, it says, 
there lie those whose names are known only to God. And he said, you know, there is an infinite difference between known to God and being unknown. Because the unknown life has no meaning. But life that is known, even if only to God, has a meaning and a purpose. And then it's your job to find it. Now, my dad was not a religious man, right? He was a man of faith. He believed there was greater power. But it was the greatest spiritual religious lesson I think I've ever received. And so when I had an opportunity, when I was 16, I finished high school, and I had an opportunity to go to Santa Barbara to help a friend who was going, who immigrated there early and was going through a severe culture shock and became anorexic. And her mom said, if you fly out, if you buy a ticket, I'll pay for your stay to help her through this cultural, uh, uh, you know, adjustment. I jumped on that opportunity because of, um, you know, my dad's experience. And that was my first time being in the United States. And I had an interesting experience in Santa Barbara. Um, <laughs> I uh, was taken for a little Mexican girl. And instead of deciding that that was a discriminatory practice, I learned Spanish. So I could say, soy de Ucrania, no de Latina America, and that was just fine. <laughs> so that was my first time coming to to the country. Then I went back to Ukraine, went to school, uh, Kiev Mahila Academy. And there I met a very obnoxious professor who is now my husband of 27 years. <laughs> and that was my permanent reason to come to the United States in 1995. <laughs> That is, that's amazing. Your story is, uh, it, it is, it's quite amazing to what you had to experience. Most people, I don't think I've ever experienced, you know, somebody talking about even Chernobyl. But prior to that, though, the thing I found that you said it was really neat was citrus and how, because it, it actually evoked in me the memories of my childhood with mandarin oranges and how I used, and I have had a p terrible sense of smell my whole life because uh, of allergies and asthma, but I could always smell citrus and I still can today. It's one of my favorite things to smell, to taste. And it's, it's interesting. I did not realize how it ties into people's memory centers. And I appreciate you bringing that up, but back to the Chernobyl, that is amazing that your dad, you know, went there because he was ordered to go there and come back and, and his integrity was more important to him than anything. Um, to fast forward it to him being able to start up his own newspaper, you know, back in 92, I think he said it was. Um, that is amazing. The things that you've experienced and through your eyes, through your lenses, you've seen that and how it's affected you as an adult today. Um, it's amazing, right? I've never talked to anybody that had ever been in that circumstance, especially having somebody that had to report about Chernobyl. Cause I know only all I can remember, like in 1986, I had just graduated high school in 1985. So I can remember in the news media and you know what the media is like, let's be real. They're not, they're not the most genuine center of, real information that's not actually massaged and manufactured to sell advertising let's be real so that people will watch listen read 
So it's really interesting. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And I know many of my listeners will enjoy hearing that too, because our impression of what happened at Chernobyl was colored obviously by rosy glasses, because even the people in North America um, did not want to realize how the extent of what happened at Chernobyl. Um, so I appreciate that a lot. And your recollection and talking about the Arlington Cemetery and the phrase, I hadn't heard that in years. So I appreciate you talking about what, you know, unknown life versus known life. And really at the end of the day, we as a society struggle to have people know, like, and trust us. And we really care what everybody thinks about us. And really at the end of the day, God is somebody that I should be concerned about. What does God think of me? Is, am I going to be um, on my la on my deathbed going, geez, I wish I had worked harder or I'm going to be on my workbed living my core values of faith, family, work. Did I give enough to God? Was I kind, humble, and generous to others? And that really struck accord with me yeah. so um and you know and then you ended up going to the u.s and you ended up marrying your professor that is just that is too that is too cool i really appreciate that story, story. Dwight, it is a great story you know? it is a great story uh, i was in kilma hill academy and it was celebrating its 750th 750th anniversary it was closed down for seven years of the soviet union and when it reopened it went back to celebrating its original anniversary which was 750th and um i didn't go to party i was i was this uh you know triple a guilt driven achievement seeking student you know it's like the the inner paradigm i'm never good enough was a driving force at the time probably and so i um i went to this party and i was dancing polka with one of my friends who had a little bit too much to drink so he let go of me i spun around and I fell into somebody's laugh, lap and I hear this horse-like laughter of my delighted husband-to-be. He comes up to me, he says, you know, can you teach me to dance polka? And I was in school where all my professors were from all over the world, best schools, and everything was done in English. It was the top one school. I was very lucky to get there. And I said, listen, I don't teach uh, rude Americans anything. And so that, I mean, like, you know, I'm not starting on a good note. He says, well, give me a phone. Now, this is, this is post-Soviet Union, free Ukraine, you, we're free from money, you know, we are free from any material possessions, and so I'm like, I don't have a phone, which I did not, and this is pre-cellular phone, so he thinks I'm playing tough to get, I'm not, this is Friday, on Tuesday, I show up in my constitutional law, and to my horror, I see him as my professor, but then the joy continues, because I worked as an interpreter for IFIS, which is International Foundation of Electoral Systems, and I come in and there's the, and my boss says, I've talked to your school, they'll give you leave here and there because we have a judge from America who's here to observe our independent election and you're gonna be his interpreter. And here walks in my prince. I'm like, okay, God, three for three, I got you. I gotta be nice, <laughs> I gotta be nice. But that's, you know, that's kind of, so I tell people, you will not lose amazing. your opportunity. You will not lose your opportunity. <laughs> So, yeah, I, that is that is so amazing. Like honestly, as you said, hey God, three for three, I get it, right? That's and the reason I say that is 
I've prayed. I'm a person that prays and mm -hmm. it's gotten me through the most tumultuous times in my life. Like literally from a sickly kid bullied to going mm -hmm. through terrible divorce to getting eventually full-time custody of my kids. I prayed all the time. And sometimes I'd wake up in the morning and I'd have an answer, but I'd go, nah, that's not God. That's no, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to do what I think's right. And I pray about it again, because obviously it wasn't the right choice. And it would come back with, you know, another, and it usually would take me three times. It would be like, okay, God, I get it. You know, more than I do. All right. And even that today in my life, I try to catch myself if I get ever pray and I get an answer from God. Sometimes it's immediate. Sometimes it's when I wake up and I try to catch myself and think to myself, you know what? Don't be that person. Don't wait for the third time. So it's just very, uh, yeah, I just love this conversation. This is awesome. I appreciate you uh, sharing about your husband and 27 years. Congratulations. That's, that's amazing. So um, Victoria, you hopeless, all bliss, da. <laughs> hopeless. I said, all bliss, all oh, bliss, da. Oh, da. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you don't yeah. Make it through oh. twenty-seven years unless it ain't all bliss. You know? Well, you know what though? That's you know, since you brought that up, like people always say when I because I coach people on a lifestyle basis through my finance practice. Uh, for me, it's all about relationships. The transaction is after I build a relationship, get to know what's cause them their strife or cause them to be in the circumstances where they're at and they'll say you know what are the goals they'll tell me and I hear it all the time I, I want to be happy all the time well how are you going to accomplish being happy all the time well I'm just it's going to happen I said you know in life your strife your trials and tribulations on the flip side this happiness that's how you appreciate things that's how you know you can be happy is because you've gone fallen on your face you've skinned your knee, skinned your elbow, got up, dusted yourself off, and you were willing to face life and, and try to find other solutions for your circumstances. And then all of a sudden, whoa, guess what? You earned happiness. Happiness isn't just going to come to you. It's not, you can't be happy all the time. You have to have strife and trials and tribulations. Like you said, there can't be bliss all the time. That's impossible. I laugh when people tell me that I get leaders supposed leaders that will tell me they've never they don't ever have any strife in their life they're always happy and i just i know they're not genuine because in my opinion that's impossible so i appreciate you sharing that right it hasn't been all bliss but you're still together so obviously it's, there's communication and there's work that's happened and and worked well obviously well you know i can tell you in a nutshell speaking of happiness Everything has shifted significantly for me with two choices I've made. The first one, I removed responsibility from him to make me happy. Perfect. And the second is when I've learned how to be happy regardless of anything or anyone. And, you know, when people tell me, well, I'm married because we need each other, I say, no, 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 you should never have a need-based relationship you've got to be so complete and whole and that you're so eager to share that wholeness with somebody else and that you don't need them but you want them and that to me is the happiness in a relationship those are three steps they're not responsible how will you make sure your life is complete 
how will you share that life with your partner? Because you can't wait to show them the light that you carry. And, it, and it's a miraculous process. It's tedious, but it's gorgeous. Isn't anything in life that's worth having or or possessing on an emotional, mental, spiritual, even physical? It's tedious. It's work. That's when appreciation comes in, when we actually have to put in effort. If everything comes so easy for us in life, how would we know that we're happy? How would we know that we're at peace, right? Mm. That tranquility is happening in our in our lives. And yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. This is this is more than I expected from your origin story, not because I didn't think it would be good, just because of the conversation and where it's tied into. Um, I hope the listeners, I imagine they are, are enjoying this as much as I, and we have so much more to discover. So let's move on. So Victoria, you have a proven formula of success so that coaches, entrepreneurs, and people that enjoy personal development have more peace, purpose, and prosperity. Can you please share with us some of what this formula is and why anyone can achieve peace, purpose, and prosperity in their lives? Yeah, I think it's a combination. The formula itself is a combination of two principles. And those two principles, of course, are broken down in subcategories. The first principle is the law of growth. Um, in, my, in my most recent book, I believe, Prosper Me, it's one of the laws. And the law of growth formula is your mindset multiplied by your skill set multiplied by your effort equals results. And then if you're a person of faith, you add to the left side God, and then you have God multiplied by mindset, skill set, and effort, and that equals infinite results. You will achieve results either way, right? You will. It's just that allowing for that infinite power of God expands them infinitely. So when you look at the mindset, skill set, and effort, you know, for years I've been looking for, okay, how do I explain that to somebody? And finally, it's a very visual, simple thing. If we say there is a visual flow of prosperity, here's like this flow from sky of prosperity, right? It's right there. So your skill set allows for you to know where to find it, right? I see so many business men, women, entrepreneurs trying to master their objection handling. And I'm like, why? Why would you be working with clients who object your services? Do you not understand that at this very moment, there are hundreds of clients that are praying, hoping, and wishing for the exact offering that you and only you have. While you're trying to breathe life into the dead fish, right over there, right over there, there is a lake with fish jumping out of the water saying, where are you? I can't see you. But if you don't have a skill set, to find the opportunity, you will be putting effort without much result, right? So if you think of that flow, the skill set shows you where the flow from above is. The effort makes you move your feet to get into the flow because a lot of us are like, oh yeah, lake's over there. I wonder when it'll move over to me. I mean, you know, maybe I can read another book about the lake moving to me. So you gotta effort moves your feet. But the mindset, the reason there's such a big stress on mindset is that you could be surrounded by opportunity. You could be putting the effort in. But your mindset is the lid on a container of prosperity. If you're holding a container as if to catch the prosperity coming into your life, the lid on it is your mindset. 
you know, people say closed mindset, open mindset, think of it literally, open mindset allows for those opportunities through. And so that the subcategory for mindset is once again, we, I love English language. It's my fourth language. It's not my first, second, third, my fourth language. I love it. It's my favorite. Actually, I now think and dream in English because every word has an etymological meaning. So we say mindset and it's dangerous to think that it's something that's set. Even if it's good, if it's set, it ain't growing. So I've heard people say, well, there's a growth mindset, but I look at set as a set of things, right? You can have a cooking set, you can have a set of toys. And so I identify mindset as six mental faculties. Okay, and those faculties are imagination, intuition, memory, perception, reason, and will. So now all of a sudden, when I'm to shift my mindset, I understand what in the world that actually means. It doesn't mean be positive and say, yes, I can over and over and over again, while your inner voice says, yeah, right. Mm -hmm. It's looking at those six, understanding which one of these six faculties is the weakest and how can you adjust the most? Because nothing that has been created and is worthy of having, keeping it, has been born without that particular recipe for mindset. So now you combine the two, and if you are somebody who is stuck in life, you now have all these amazing, simple steps to start. You say, wait a minute, was I putting all the effort without the skill set? Oh, do I need to improve my mindset? And if I do, which one of these six faculties maybe one of them is even new to you maybe you heard intuition as a spiritual conversation no 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 intuition is simply what you're into if you are into violence you will become very intuitive about violent situations if you are into finances over and over and over and over again you will become intuitive about some financial decisions now, if you're psychic and you're into reading people's energy, which is what I do a lot, you will become very good at that. We're all born with an intuitive set. So think of it as into it, into something that you are naturally passionate about. You can develop it, you can deepen it, and deepen and developing it in one field will free you to develop it in, you know, other um, areas of your life. So that's the combination of the mindset, skill set, and effort as, you know, as we teach. And then when I say multiply by God, I'm very clear that while I know who God is in my life, it's important that you look at God as great overall designer, however you define that source of life to be, you know, and understand there's something greater than you are. I often tell, tell people, no two truths. One, there is a God. Two, I'm not it. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just a very easy way to live. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's that's really it. And, you know, this is going to sound like a weird um, segue, but that's why I stopped years ago. At one time in my life, I used to fear death all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't fear death anymore because it's another journey in my in my existence, in my energy, my soul. Um, and it's because, just like you said, I'm not God. I know there is a God. And I just give it up to him all the time. And 
be the best version of myself every day. And I, every morning when I get up, I welcome God into my day and realize that by multiplying my life, as you would say, with God, my results are infinitely better. So I really resonated with with your explanation. And you're great at that, by the way. You're, you're a great storyteller and, and your ability to tie everything together is God-given, right? God wants you to make sure that you can connect with people. So I really appreciate that. So I did, I like that though, the intuition into it. I've never heard that before, like explained that simplistic because it is simplistic. Um, You know, and I definitely am going to look into more what you talk about. I especially want to look into that app, right? I'm always looking for something that is not overcomplicated, simplistic, and for 20 bucks, like that's a no brainer. It really is, right? Why wouldn't a person want to do that to give themselves? Because I, I teach a lot about associations uh, and not associations, just to people, what we associate with. And when we get into funk moments in our day to time ourselves out. And that I could see as being a very powerful tool for when I time myself out because I never have bad days anymore. And I won't explain that right now because I have too many other things that I want to exp- we want to I want to talk about with you part of me but there's you can have a point in life where you only have bad moments and you never have bad days again and I'm always looking for tools to add to my arsenal when I time myself out and I'm having a bad moment to reground myself as we talked about before the podcast recording grounding myself back to reality of of what life is and what life can offer and not living in a life of boohoo woohoo like you know oh this is so terrible and and you know i call it the hamster wheel effect people jump on a hamster wheel when they're young and they never get off right they just get stuck so oh you know that irish saying get off the cross we need the wood oh i mean if, if three if three days was good enough for christ three days of pouting should be good enough for us so if you must have a bad day make it three and then move on. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Turn on some music. South Beach three days tops. You know? I don't even do that anymore. <laughs> I literally do. I literally have conditioned myself and utilize and coach on it that you don't have to be in a funk for three yeah. days. You can do. I for me, I give myself a time limit of three hours. Mm. That's it, maximum. Because sometimes those moments can be more than because I have other side outside circumstances that have already been weighing on my brain plate and they're overflowing. And then that one bad moment happens and I need that three hours, but I do time myself out and give myself a specific time that in order to figure it out. And that's why I think your app will help a lot is there'll be another arsenal tool, right? Along with what I already utilize. You can never have too many things to associate with on a positive you know, mental and an emotional basis to correct and, you know, be our co-pilot, right? Because mm-hmm. we're the pilot of our life, but it's okay to have co-pilots. I always tell people that, right? Sometimes it could be a person, maybe it's an app, right? Nothing wrong with that. You know, Dwight, and it's, uh, that really is the origin of the app. The app was created for me and my team as a quick pick me up every single tool in it and it expanded as such and i tell people i'm the most uh uh valiant user of the it, the app's name is empower-me and it's a little ambiguous maybe we'll talk about why it's a little ambiguous i'll make but... sure it goes into the show notes too so people can easily find yeah. it 
But that's why I was created because I know meditation is great. I don't have three hours to meditate, but I have three minutes. So, you know, that's powerful though, because everybody I talk to, I've had so many people on my show and they talk about meditating and I hear talk, listen to people that get up at four or five in the morning and meditate for an hour. And you know what? I'm always looking at collapse and timeframes in life. And if there's something that's effective that I know and believe in, right? Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just it's means not- that I can ground myself quicker and, and pick myself up and move forward to serve others and serve myself and my family. And, you know, of course, by doing all that, I'm, uh, I'm serving my God, right? So I appreciate that. So Victoria, can you please share a story of a client you've helped break through their subconscious patterns that were damaging them? Ooh, let me pick one. Let me see which one would be best for giving a heck. Who was, which one in my life? You know, um, here's an interesting one, actually. And uh, I have a, I have obviously have to have a full permission to share a client's story, right? And I have a permission on this one. That's why I will share her story. And she's a client from Great Britain. And, um, because I work with the combination of subconscious mind, the mind that controls 93% of our behavior, but we don't necessarily have access to. And then I bridge it with solution with the conscious practices. So to kind of give the framework of how the session went on. And uh, in her particular life, she had a very, very severe um, apathy and rejecting life. I mean, who doesn't give a heck? <laughs> at all and so you know and we can talk about yes there are techniques and but there is also patterns of extended sadness right where a person is completely completely exhausted and they have no motivation to live so when she came to me she had that complete lack of motivation and uh, you know was considering um, leaving this life (laughs) and what we found is that she carried a deep subconscious belief, I resent life. I resent life, right? And so there's through method of muscle testing, finding that belief. Once we found that belief, I had a very subtle and strong feeling to look at the etymology of the word, but right in the middle of the session. And I said, wait a minute, somehow the shift that we need to guarantee for you has to do with how the word was created. It was very interesting because when you track it down, it goes to, and I will butcher it because I don't speak French, but it goes into French, you know, um, form of resentir, which goes into Latin, which goes deeper into expressing emotion. So the origin of resentment was expressing emotion. It became negative like three or 400 years into the etymology. But when you looked at expressing emotion it was energy and motion is how I define it. And so resentment as the origin, when you stu- when I've done all the study around it, was related to the pain of giving birth. You actually gave birth because you gave life. The act of birth is the actual physiological way of giving life or giving the beginning of emotion. That baby cries. It's very emotional when it's first born. It was fascinated because this particular client had nine miscarriages. She was under this immense burden 
because she did, her subconscious mind did not know how to allow life into life without resenting it and and subduing it suppressing it it was very deep profound session of changing the subconscious programs from i resent life to i welcome life i understand life as expression of love and vibrancy and within a week her life has shifted around i mean she the, the next session she was excited to start her own business no not everything was resolved there was no magic wand that got waved and you know there were butterflies flying around the room 24 7 but the most important shift has happened she developed a desire for life i think a desire for life could be a god-given gift that we take for granted those of us that have it and those of us that don't have it resent those that have it because that is the subconscious deep programming they don't know how to process life outside of resentment and so they resent success they think people successful are all greedy they resent growth they resent love they don't believe in long-term relationships and all of that is a part of a deep subconscious human training so I know it's not a practical example in terms of oh you know then she did that but to me it was one of the most poignant sessions because this shift from resenting life I also had clients who had program I'm allergic to life you might have a little bit of echo of that life if you carry a program I am allergic to life very often you'll develop all kinds of allergies I carry that program and so it's teaching our subconscious how to process life without allergy and then I say in another client session what came through was she can't, she went on on how she couldn't stand this and this and this and this and the phrase was born that I use now all the time whoever or whatever you cannot stand is what stands in your way so that's what you've put there like but it's the same concept of resentment you're putting something or someone in your way that blocks your eternal progression that blocks your service to humanity why because you're no longer focusing on your purpose because your attention is being drained by their human performance well find their human move on right move on through the principle of forgiveness preferably not through the <laughs> principle of numbness but you know still um, but that's that would be the client that I came in um, you know there have been some very tender pro bono clients I take people that uh, have, are given very few months to live uh, one of my favorite clients who's passed on was Don Allison he was given four months and I worked with him for two and a half years with stage four cancer and three organs and witnessing the miracle of life and you know being sustained and he finished the book he was writing and um, so I've been privy to many many miracles by shifting you know the subconscious programs to be able to fulfill every breathing moment of, of the time we're given on this planet. Wow. I appreciate you sharing that. It's uh yeah, it it it, it is what I was looking for because really there's no wrong answer to <laughs> what you would have responded with. Um we have the ability to now or those listening and myself, you know, even more so understand the fact, like you said, 93% of our life is controlled and we don't realize by our sub our, our subconscious right so it is something we need to really take to you know 
right here. We need to have between our mind and our heart. We need to really realize that there's things that have happened in our life. And as you mentioned with her, nine miscarriages, I'm like, wow, of course your brain's going to always not because she's never had that crying or had that experience of that energy that happens when that baby comes into the world. And I've been blessed to see, you know, children of mine born. I've been blessed to see grandkids already have their first bath and they're crying right after they're born. And just that energy, I didn't realize until you brought that up is so imperative because life and death, right. It's, 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 I love the fact that you brought that up. Um, People stand in our way that you brought that up in regards to, and I wrote down beside that, that if we allow that person on our path and they're standing in there, that's what our now focus is, is for me, I coach it on a fact that that's an association. If they're not on the same path and same energy as you, and I call it the 70-30 principle. I actually just recorded a podcast yesterday where a solo podcast where I talk about that because I've been asked to communicate about that on a podcast more specifically and I look at life that if anybody in my path that I allow to be in my path, and that doesn't have to necessarily be somebody physically in my path. It could be somebody I follow on social media. I follow their email stream. I listen to their videos on YouTube, or it could be face-to-face. 70% of the time, I better feel glad. I better yeah. can't wait to see them again. I can't wait to have them again in my path, right? And 30% of the time, like realistically, you can't have a hundred percent for me anyway. I don't believe I can have a hundred percent connection with somebody where I'm always happy with everything that comes out of them, whether it's written verbally, whatever the case may be. So I live a 70-30 principle. If they ever get to a point that they're 50-50, they're a wrong association and they're never in my path again. Because if 50% of the time I think, oh my gosh, what's going to be like reading or talking to them or having them in my path? Are they going to make me feel dirty? Are they going to make me feel glad? Well, if I'm always questioning that, that's the wrong association, the wrong person to have in my path. And I get what you're saying, but that's what popped into my mind is the 70-30 principle that I coach people on that you got to look at your associations of all aspects of your life, family, friends, clients. And if they make you feel dirty, and you want to take a shower and you are you shudder when you're in a group and they're there, you like the group, but you don't like them and it taints what you're getting from that group. Or if it's just a one-on-one circumstance, reevaluation and realizing that person wasn't meant to be in your life for all seasons of your life and only a specific season for a specific reason. And maybe they pivoted and changed or you, you changed and didn't and now have the realization that they're not good for you. So that's what I got from that. I know that's a little bit more of a deeper answer than maybe you you were expecting or the listeners were, but yeah, I, I like that people are in our path, right? You know, it's, it's fascinating because I, um, I had this, uh, not argument by, by any means, but uh, a discussion, um, you're from Canada, so you'll appreciate the name. Bob Proctor was one of the personal development gurus, you know, from Canada, he's passed on last February. And he was my personal coach for a short period of time, you know, he's made it to the secret movies, he's a great, great human being, I felt. And he was of uh, a conviction that to create a reality of our choosing, we have to be 100% at that frequency. There's an Einstein quote, that's my favorite quote, 
And Einstein said, if you match the frequency to the reality that you want, you cannot help but have that reality. This is not philosophy, this is physics. So what he was saying is, you know, you're talking about the frequency of perception. He's talking about frequency of, of creation. And he says, whatever it is that you want, if you match your frequency to how you feel as if you already have it, you can't, it, it, it has to happen, right? And Bob would always teach that you have to be that frequency for 100%. So if you want to have a loving relationship, you got to be in that space 100% of the time, what it would feel like if I already were, you know, respected and cherished and honored and loved and just be in that energy, be in that frequency. And that would put you in a place of bringing people into your life that would support it. But like you, very much like you, Dwight, I said, wait a minute, we're human, we're unable of 100% performance in anything. I mean, like, in anything, I mean, make 20 perfect pancakes for heaven's sakes, you know, I mean, and so but for me, I teach the concept of dominant frequency always prevails. And because I have background in teaching statistics, dominant is 51%. So if you are having a 50% negative experience, 49% negative experience, but 51 of it is hopeful, it is faithful, it is full of light, you know what? That's a good moment. Maybe you're only capable of 51. That's a good moment. Then you build up to, you know, Dwight's 70. And maybe if you're an idealist to Bob's 100. But get it over that 51, either by letting people go, like you said, if it's the perception of your reality, or if you're now aligned to creating your reality, to building a life of significance, then you'll be 51% believing that you're a person of significance in someone's life. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be more than that. It's like, you know what, I matter. Like, I matter. There's 49% of me that says, really? And you're like, really, really? Like, 51% sure? And you build up from that, you know? Yeah, so yeah. very much on the exactly. same page. Exactly, exactly. Well, I know uh, throughout our conversation so far, I can tell, I could tell before we hit record. So I'm so enjoying myself. This is amazing. My my level of uh, energy right now and my gladness and that, you know, I tell people I get that, I get this, you know, the warm and fuzzies, I guess <laughs> would be a way of putting it is, is way up there. So I really appreciate you and, and your responses and your thoughtfulness of your answers. So Victoria, where do the majority of our subconscious patterns come from? And is there a way, any way to avoid them? Um. Fantastic question. There are different schools of thought as to how they're created. I believe the most simple and yet proven to be workable way to understand it is from what is called Theta Healing Practice. Viana Steibel is the author of Theta Healing. And it's one of the you know many energy modalities that I've um, enjoyed uh, learning and, and mastering. And so in Theta Healing, the subconscious mind patterns are explained by four different levels or exposures. The first level is called core. Core level is when you're a child. Now, from a different school of thought, we'll fill this in. When you're a child, your brain is usually in theta brainwave, by the way. What does that mean? We sleep in delta. When we sleep, our brain is very slow, barely vibrates. It's delta brainwave. It's very slow. When we go in and out of sleep, we're in this twilight zone. It's a theta brainwave. 
we stress in beta, we meditate in alpha, we have genius ideas in gamma. Those are just scientific brain waves. So as a child comes into the world, they don't yet know how to stress about life. Their brain is in theta, in a twilight zone. Why is that important? Because the, the theta healing uh, brain wave is the suggestible brain wave. It is the gateway into your subconscious mind. Everything that is told you, impacted on you, while you're in a theta brain, brain wave, your subconscious imprints as the truth. And so when your parent hits you and says, I do this because I love you, you learn and then later write a song that love hurts. No love doesn't, true love heals. But false life, fake love, pretend love, unable to know how to parent love, that love hurts, right? But you are learning these patterns and then you regurgitate them, either as a victim receiver of the program or predator, giver of that damaging program. Your program is a child, that's the core level. Then there's genetic level. We know that our hair color, eye color, height, you know, highly genetic. If we wanted to know what it is, my daughter's getting PGD in her genetics statistics. So I can tell you, your height is, uh, your height is 80, no, your eye color is 80%, you know, genetic. Your weight is 60% genetic. It's fascinating, you know. Your eyes is actually 90. So, but what we're learning is that the thought patterns, just like physiological patterns, your thought patterns are genetic. So you could have had great parents that were affluent, but your grandpa lost everything because he had a subconscious program. The harder I work, the faster I lose everything. And so you are an entrepreneur and you're going out there trying to build a business and you build it to a certain success level and then it crashes and you can't find a reasonable conscious point to it. Everything looked good on paper. And that's when you say, wait a minute, it was a genetic pattern that is to be healed, that skipped the generation of your parents. And it's very freeing to understand that some of the thought patterns and behavior patterns and habit patterns we have do not make us demonic beings. They make us human beings seeking healing and help because we are programmed for certain behaviors. Now, the third level that we're going to talk is history and history level is there's the fact of common consciousness if everybody in your country believes that diabetes is incurable and can only be maintained you're going to start believing it's incurable I would just suggest how about we shift from up till now and now it is curable but we we accept the fears of society as our own fears and our subconscious accepts them as truths and then we fear that it could be our future and then the fourth level, you would have to be a spiritual person to understand that subconscious level. It's called the soul level. And this is if you believe that there is a part of you that is eternal, that has always been. That part of you probably has some memories that it has carried forever. And one of those for healing, for example, um, that I found that's very fascinating working with clients is that some clients are chronically ill because that part of them believes that physical healing is irrelevant. And it kind of is to, to that soul part of them. It's like, ah, it's just a body. <laughs> you know, I'll make it through this life, I'll be fine. And so you need to teach their subconscious that for here, for now, right? My We were talking about the words I overuse now, you know, here and now, that it does matter, that healing is possible. 
And so that is how the subconscious beliefs are formed in a classical theta healing technique. In a more of a mindset technique, we know our thoughts are electric. We measure our activity of the brain as, you know, as electric impulses. Well, we know that every time there's an electric impulse, there has to be a magnetic field, has to be a magnetic field. That magnetic field is our emotion. So we're electromagnetic thinking, feeling beings. And what does an electromagnetic feeling does? What does, what does electromagnetic field do? It repulses and attracts, right? This is not woo-woo. This is quantum physics. This is not just the law of attraction as it's been understood or misunderstood. This is just how our body, it starts vibrating. So if I'm thinking I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm a loser, I'm shrinking the energy, I go to interview, it affects my performance. I fail it and I validate I am a loser. But if I'm going to the job interview and I think I'm a gift to them, I can't wait to change, to help, to serve. You're just ready to go. Your energy will vibrate out and expand. You will want, they will want to have you. So your thoughts frame your emotions, your emotions and thoughts drive your actions, your actions bring your results. So you can look at these two different patterns, combine them however you want to into how the subconscious is formed. Now, can it be avoided? The short answer is, of course not. Can it be understood and worked with to free us to be who we're born to be? Yes. Wow. That is, uh, people that are listening or watching, rewind and listen to this again. Um, plethora of information. It's almost like drinking out of a fire, fire hose. The amount of information that, but I'm not saying that's bad though. I'm just saying that whoever's watching or listening to this, you need to do what I'm going to do and definitely research what you teach and what you talked about here, because that is, you know, like you, the number three history fears a society we accept. Well, that's patterns. We are taught patterns from very young age that whether it's genetic or not, genetic or not, pardon me, my parents my dad, for an example, learned things from his dad, which was, you know, he come here from Russia and he, my dad, first generation, you know, learned specific things that I heard and listened to and just accepted and mirrored until I had a realization. Um, but that happens within society of how people project in our school systems and how they teach pattern teaching and that pattern teaching needs to be broken. They they teach the same methodical garbage. Yeah. Sorry for people listening. I'm not against the teachers. I'm not against the administration. I'm against the processes that they're forced to present consistently year after year after year to bring people into college or university, or they may not go to college or university, but they're programmed a specific way. They're not programmed to be thought leaders. They're not pro they're programmed to be little machines, automatons. Just it, it's sad, but it starts from our earliest, how we were trained, how we were raised, how our teachers trained and taught us, how our friends treat and taught us. And I really appreciated that what you brought up, not that the rest I didn't appreciate, but that one really resonated with me. So one of the things, Victoria, and we, you brought this up about the fact that, and I just, I didn't say it back then because I knew it would come up in that process of flow of questions. 
And because you caught the fact that I said it a lot. Victoria, why when we state the phrase, I don't care about, insert whatever word a person wants, such as money, success, my job, etc. Why is that so detrimental to a person to have that stuck in their mindset saying, I don't care? You know, I think there is um, a point of um, defense. Usually I look at it as a point of defense. Usually when we say I don't care about something is because deep inside we care very deeply, but we don't necessarily believe that we have the skills, the willpower or the help to shift what it is we say we don't care about. And the reason I know that is because our subconscious mind does not understand negation. So what do I mean by that? I'm going to ask everybody right now to not think about their car. Do not, I repeat, do not think what color it is. Do not think whether you have leather seats or fabric seats. Do not think of if you ever got a ticket. How did we do? I mean, maybe we could force it along for the first sentence. But right now, all of those answers are in your mind. Because the subconscious mind does not understand negation. It understands frequency around it. So when, when somebody hurts me and I say, you know what, I just don't care. That does not sound as not caring. That sounds as I cannot solve this right now. Right? And so it's a beautiful invitation to say things that you might not think you care about. Learn to care about yourself enough to find which part of it you can affect and you can change that it can become a point of care. It's just a beautiful, beautiful shift. You know, I joke that Shakespeare was the first metaphysical scientist because he said, to be or not to be, that is the question. And I know it's interpreted very differently by literature and it's a true way to interpret it. But for me, as, as somebody who studies subconscious mind, what I've learned to come is that to, to believe is that some of us say, I hope I won't get sick. Um, I hope I won't lose my job. And so we are naming things we don't want to be only to then live through them. Why? Because the fear frequency describes the event and our subconscious mind zooms in into that event versus I can't wait to be healthy. I'm so excited when I am healthy. When I have a client who is chronically ill, I tell him, we're not healing your disease. We're celebrating the parts of you that are working. We're shifting your focus. So when you have whatever it is you're going through, you get to say, oh my gosh, I'm so freaking grateful. If it's not your heart, okay, let's say, let's say you broke your leg and that's pretty hard, especially if you're a tennis player, okay? I'm an avid tennis player. That, that peril came to my mind, okay? I'd be devastated if I broke my leg. You know, it means no, no leagues, okay? So if you're like me, a little addicted to sports, you go like, okay, I broke my leg. So everything in you will want you to go commiserate to that point of, of break, right? And to defend yourself because you don't have skills to fix it, you say, you know what, I don't care that I miss four seasons of tennis. I'm really strong. I don't care. Oh, no, no, I care. <laughs> I care. And how will I heal myself right now to be genuine about the fact that I care so much? I'm going to say, okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute, girl. Okay, your heart, it is so healthy and whole. And look at the miracle of your heart. Look at the miracle of your eyes. And I will celebrate wholeness. And I will ce celebrate wholeness and health until miraculously, and I've had broken bones. The doctor looks at me and says, wait a minute, this was, this, this was supposed to be six months. You know, and it's three weeks, it's four weeks, you're on your feet, right? So I want you guys to care. If you say I don't care about money, 
It just means there's a part of you that you don't care enough for because you think that part is undeserving of a life of abundance. You know, I quote, uh, because I'm Christian background, right? Um, I quote Christ from John 10.10 who said, I have come, I am come that they might live and that they might live abundantly. So half of the world lives on the concept, I've come to live, so I'm going to do whatever I want. The other half says, I've come to be abundant, and they become greedy. But I believe we have come to live so that we appreciate every breathing moment without losing the meaning of life as a way of celebrating being alive. And once we do, that we are responsible stewards of God's abundance. We've got to care about the abundance that surround us. We've got to care maximizing our talents, which would involve financial stability. We've got to care. So that that's where I give the heck. Right there is where I give the heck. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, everything you talked about, really, I tell people all the time, your mind, your subconscious does not know the difference between a truth and a lie. You have to offer up the truth of what you want it to be and hopefully you're surrounding yourself with great enough people that are thought leaders such as yourself that you know are going to help you think differently different than the patterns that you've lived your whole life that have caught you and are you have allowed to be caught in and you're on that hamster wheel um you know i i look at how many people i know that you know they they, they constantly do what you were talking about you know I'm a loser. I'm not a, I'm not a person that is, you know, great at what I'm doing or I'm going to lose my job. And it, it, it like go back to Bob, you're, you're bringing that to reality because that's the energy you're giving off. So then maybe you're not realizing that you're communicating with people. Your tonality is negative, but you're not, your conscious mind isn't picking up on it. Your body language is defensive. Maybe you're snipey in how you communicate with coworkers, or if you're a business owner, you wonder why your business was so successful and all of a sudden you can't keep staff, you're losing clients. Maybe it's something that you're projecting and it's it's part of your fact that you've been you've been feeding your mind the wrong things because your mind believes what you're telling it or you're allowing to present into it through associations is is a programming that it wants that you want it to have and it's we have a society that is you like you said 50 percent of it wants all that abundance and just grab everything at all costs and and it's it's terrible because that's the programming they've given themselves and they project it to others and they attract the same type of people and all of a sudden the thing that i see, heard heard in that is they're missing the journey of life though because it's one success after one success after one success that they're trying to get. I see that with with very successful people or people that aren't successful, that all they're ever trying to achieve is success, but they don't have the right um, tools in their, in their mental toolbox to achieve it. They don't have the right associations in their toolbox to help achieve it. And they stick on a hamster wheel, whether they've got lots or they don't have lots. Both parties... Forget that the journey of life is present today. You need to live it for the today. You need to appreciate, have gratitude, be grateful that God, and for me, who's God-fearing, is I've been given another shot. I've been given another day. And then throughout my day, whatever the journey is, whatever moments might come up that are, are bad or really great at night, 
I have gratefulness. Thank you for giving me that opportunity to even experience the good, bad, and ugly. All right. And people go, well, that's, why would you do that? Because I am appreciative of it because mm-hmm. today was a journey and I have to appreciate what good happened today. Ooh, I got a FaceTime call from my grand granddaughter or my grandson or, Ooh, I got a call from a client or, Ooh, somebody sent me a message saying how my podcast or my book, or maybe my coaching of them has helped them. And it just gives, it gives me that warm and fuzzies again, that I am on the right path. And then I have days where I, I get puked on and I think to myself, oh, geez, I need to correct what I'm programming myself. Don't let that pull me down. But, you know, it's back to that 70-30 thing. I guess even with my own life, I can't, I don't have an expectation of 100%. I have an, an expectation and a realization that life is in session. This is not a dress rehearsal. I need to always put my best foot forward. And the days where I can't, I need to evaluate, use whatever to be my co-pilot to correct it for me a lot of times it's prayer so mm-hmm. beautiful <laughs> so uh, victoria uh, you know last of a couple questions you've written four books the one that i would like to talk about though is the 35 universal laws to make money work for you what is this book about and what can one expect after reading it yeah the book uh you know the book is called uh, like you said prosper me and um for me, that little me is very significant um, because I use M as little and E as big because it's a reminder for each one of us for the recipe for prosperity. Because each one of us is both mortal and eternal. There's a part of us that's going to go down. That's dying every seven years completely. The body you're sitting in is a brand new seven-year-old body. So there's a part of us that continually dies. That's the mortal. And there's a part of us that is eternal, that keeps staying on, however you call it, your higher self, your spirit. Then there is that matter that makes mortal. And there is the energy that turns into eternal, right? Finally, there is material that we manifest. And there's essential that expands. So I look at each one of us as matter surrendering to energy through love, as mortal surrendering to eternal through love, as material surrendering to essential through love, and as manifesting surrendering to expanding through love. So prosper me then becomes how to allow your spirit, your biggie, to prosper your relationship into fulfillment, your life into purpose and peace, and your finances then, your little M, we can't forget it, it's there, into financial prosperity and stability. I think there is an unspoken conflict today between the matters of the body and the matters of the spirit. And I believe God created us as both because both are a gift. And it is a gift of surrender, a gift of surrender to God's love, right? To creator's love. And so the book Prosper Me Then, I take 35 laws, that have been revealed, channeled, whatever word you want to use, by the source through which all my inspiration comes, right? And that I have practiced and seen practiced in my life that have taken an immigrant from Ukraine who got her family into debt, taking her kids to Greece on a vacation and deciding homeschooling was my way and ignoring the fact that it cost thousands of dollars saying I'm make the money later. (laughs) And so learning that I knew nothing about money learning then everything I could learn about money without sacrificing who I am as a person of integrity, learning how to align the two 
So the book is the 35 principles that I call universal laws. They're universal because you can apply them to any area of your life. Any. That's what makes them universal. But then I apply them through practical application to building financial stability. So each chapter has a spiritual concept, a story from my life of how it played out in my life. Then it has three practical steps that you can take. If you buy a hard copy or paperback, it'll also have a place to journal. If you buy an e-copy, I would welcome you, I would invite you to get your own journal where you can journal how you apply those steps. Because I say implementation, I mean, inspiration without implementation is delusion. <laughs> inspiration with implementation is innovation. So if you want to innovate your life, you want to implement those inspired ideas. And then each chapter at the very end has what I call an energy activation, which is an affirmation that you read that is charged through the techniques that I have studied and now teach to energetically shift your subconscious mind. So that way, each and every chapter is a new shift in your subconscious programming for what I believe is true prosperity, which is financial freedom that is there only to support and expand your spiritual freedom. So that to me is a recipe for true prosperity. And that's, uh, that's the book. Fantastic. Thank you for um, expanding on that and ensuring that the audience knows too about the, the proper name of the book. Um, I will make sure that that it's in the show notes as well, because yeah, I'm looking forward to getting a copy of it myself. I'm normally a person to honestly that listens to books because I read so much in my business. I use audible all the time and I have not a lot of time to read, but I, I believe personally, this is going to be a good investment in carving out time to read. Um, I like the fact that you have workable things within it. I do that within my book as well, not to your level, but each chapter has a little part where people can actually write in their um, specific things. So I appreciate that connection. So Victoria, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? I am going to share something that I have shared, golly, probably more than hundreds of times. And I get choked up because I'm going to give you what drives me okay. and why I don't give up. And this is the story that starts in 1400s. You might have heard a part of this or a version of this story, but I want you to really give it a new ear. <laughs> you know, open your heart in a brand new way. And so in 1400s, there is an Italian sculptor whose name is Donatello. And Donatello is commissioned to create a sculpture and is given a huge slab of marble. He studies the marble and he finds it has a lot of veins. You know, veins are lines lining in the marble that makes it brittle, I guess. I'm not a sculptor. But after thorough study, Donatello rejects the marble completely. And 50 years later, another great Italian sculptor and artist, who I believe all of us know, Michelangelo, out of that same marble, carves what is known today as the world, in the world as Statue of David. Statue of David still stands in Florence in Italy. It's open to elements. I've seen it. It's not a museum. It's standing in the open air 500 plus years later. And when his contemporaries ask Michelangelo, how could you possibly carve this flawless sculpture out of this faulty marble? 
Michelangelo says, I saw the angel in the marble, and I carved until I set him free. And so you see, I believe with every fiber of my being that if you're listening to this message, you are that angel in the marble, and I'm doing my smallest, darnest, giving it all the heck I've got to give you one more tool to carve just one more day and to set you free. <laughs> wow. What a powerful message. I appreciate you sharing that. It, that is very emotional. It's very touching. Um, I was not aware of that. So I appreciate you bringing that to light as your message about giving a heck and the fact that you're on a journey to ensure that you can help people, right? One person at a time. And I, you know, a lot of times in life, people will say, well, and I used to be one of those people, I'll be honest. Oh, I can't make a difference, right? Why would I, why would I care? Well, really, when you dial it down to the most simplistic thing, you can make a difference in the world. Yes, there's 7 billion people. But if I impact and uplift and help somebody stop being camped in their mindset and start climbing again, one person at a time, if all I ever affect is just one person, I've done something great. And obviously, I know I've done that for more than one person. I've had that experience, somebody else doing that for me. And it took me a long time in my life to get to a point where I, you know, I was probably in my 30s when I woke up one day and realized, you know what, I can make a difference one person at a time. Just like my life, I can change my mental mindset. And like you said, have that lid off one baby step at a time. Not everything has to be a sprint or a marathon. And, you know, I got to beat this time. I got to beat this person. I got to do the comparison game as you were speaking about. It's just the only person that I need to please is me first. And I do it through the eyes of God, right? And through, through, you know, if God had eyes, I guess you could say. But I do it based on the fact that I'm trying to do what I was meant to do and serve others. And if, if it, I only serve one and then I serve another and I serve another, if it gets to a point where I serve large groups, which, um, you know, we all hope to do where we can serve and touch more than one person at a time. But if all the listeners and people watching you, if you ever do is just serve one person, start with it being you and uncluttering your six inches between your ears and work to be the best version of you so that you can serve others. Figure out your purpose, right? In order to have prosperity, you need to understand what is your purpose in life? What are you here for? It's so much more than just materialistic things. And, you know, squirreling away things and look what I've got compared to the Smiths and Joneses next door, or look what I've done better than the people I went to school with or my neighbors or my relatives. The only person you're battling and competing with is yourself and that yourself is important and realize that, you know, there's people, great people like Victoria out there that can help you repivot, reframe your mindset and really give a heck and be the best version of yourself. So is there anything else you would like to add, Victoria, before we wrap up? Well, I think if uh, if you want to take a fun, fun quiz, we have a fun quiz that's called um, moneyquiz.me. And of course, it's .me because now you know what me stands for. 
and what it does it it does you discover your driving emotion and passion is it compassion is it value and it tells you which three universal laws are your buddies you know it kind of gives you the guide of this is my strength and this is how I can apply it to prosper genuinely spiritually emotionally mentally relationally and financially and that that quiz is absolutely free awesome I'll make sure that goes in the show notes what's the best way that people can reach you then is it through your website Website is great, you2shyyu, number2shine.com, and um, Instagram, it's vika, V-I-C-A, underscore radar, R-A-D-E-R, not radar. Fantastic. You can keep me on your radar as a radar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll make sure I'll make sure that go, all goes in the show notes. And people new to the show, you can find the show notes at www.giveaheck.com. Um, it's a very simplistic website. Hit the portal for podcast and you will see uh, Victoria's picture. And below that will be the simpli simplified show notes, which will have links to her social media, as well as the quiz she mentioned. And I highly encourage you to check it out because life is in session. As I mentioned, it's not a dress rehearsal. You are in charge of your future, your destiny. And, you know, it's never too late to give a heck and start this moment. Once this episode is done, spend some time and you will learn to give a heck about your life. And if you already are giving a heck and you're just looking at elevating yourself a little bit higher, you never, you never know where you can go by, you know, plugging into Victoria or checking out my information as well. We both are servants, right, to help and and level you up in life. So I appreciate you for being on, Victoria. This is an amazing conversation. Um, it's not very often when I'm done recording a podcast, you know, listeners can hear this um, that I'm not drained and tired. And I feel I'm invigorated and energized. And it's because you're such a fantastic guest uh, with such thought provoking um, imagery stories. You know, I just really appreciate you. And I wanted you to know that. Yeah, well, thank you so much. And I just wanted to put a plug in. I was telling Dwight beforehand that I've tried this, you know, Yoda says do or do not. I did a one season a podcast and the amount of love and dedication that you put into this. And I don't think uh, or don't know that your listeners are aware of the amount of care that goes and amount of heck that goes into creating this and for that i'm very grateful i just uh you know maybe we can just ask everybody send you a little bit of love a little bit of love so you're like you know sustained and i think it's been a fantastic fantastic time and and it's been an honor and a joy to be your guest i appreciate you it's been an honor for me as well so thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Victoria. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, 
giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.